Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A quick note before we begin. This episode contains references to child abuse and domestic violence. So please be advised. Previously on Very Scary People. On November 13, 1974, a mass murder shook the sleepy Long Island town of Amityville, New York. That night, six members of the same family were killed methodically, one by one, execution style. Only the oldest son, Ron DeFeo Jr., was spared, who told police he discovered the rest of his family slain at home in their beds. The DeFeo murders made headlines everywhere. In Amityville, police poured over evidence, trying to piece together clues. Who killed every single member of this family but one? And why? It was one of Long Island's most chilling crimes. Six members of the DeFeo family shot to death in their Amityville home. They say there was no sign of robbery or struggle at the Amityville, Long Island home. Killed were auto dealer Ronald DeFeo, his wife, and four of their children. People we talked to seemed to feel that whatever was the motive for this crime, it had something to do with the family. On November 18th, five days after the murders, residents grieved the loss of the family at St. Martin's of Tours, a Roman Catholic church in the heart of Amityville. Laura DiDio was a television journalist in New York at the time of the murders. Because of the notoriety and the publicity surrounding the case, where you had the news media there, you were having the funeral mass for six members of the DeFeo family, and the church was packed to overflowing. Paula Uriburo was at the funeral that day. She was one of Don DeFeo's friends. Don, remember, was the oldest daughter in the family. There was no sound except for the organ. It was very weird. It was very quiet. Suddenly, they wheel in not one, not two, but six coffins. Anthony Gangitano played football with the middle son, Mark DeFeo. I just remember all six coffins just in the front of the altar, and it was just the most 
terrible thing you'll ever see in your life. I mean, it's terrible. You know, you're just in shock. I actually went outside for a little while and sat outside. It was, it was overwhelming. St. Martin of Tours, where the funeral took place, was founded in 1897. Nowadays, it's surrounded by greenery, and when you walk through the church's tall white double doors, the walls are lined with red, yellow, and green mosaics that depict biblical scenes. Light streams in through colorful stained glass and from the intricate chandeliers. But that autumn day in 1974, six coffins were lined up in the middle of the church aisle. The funeral took place right across the street from the Catholic Elementary School in Amityville, where the youngest DeFeo kids went to school. Here's Laura. The nuns decided not to let the classmates of the DeFeo children attend the funeral services for a number of reasons. Number one, it was crowded, but they didn't want the kids to be, you know, exposed to that. I mean, I guess it was K through eighth grade. And that that's sort of sad when you think about it. Certainly they didn't want the school children to be exposed or be questioned by the news media or anything like that, or they felt it would be upsetting. But it was still sad that those kids, the DeFeo kids' classmates, were not able to attend the funeral. This was the first time a lot of the older kids were exposed to such a violent and tragic loss of life. Here's Paula again. People's grandparents died or, you know, people in the family you weren't necessarily close to as a kid. But when you were, you know, a junior in high school, a sophomore in high school, and somebody your age dies, it has such an impact on you psychologically. You suddenly have the sense of your own mortality. You feel like, well, I guess I could die. Something like this was so unprecedented and so shocking, there was almost a numbness, which made going to the funeral seem like there was hardly an alternative. Yeah, there was no, there was no sense of that you might be feeling grief or shock. Any of the feelings that you would normally have, there was none of that. I was like, we'll go to school, you know. And then it was a question of, well, if you want to go to the funeral, okay. And that was the extent of the conversation. In the years since the murders, memory has smudged the sharp details of that day. But there are still a few things Paula remembers about her late friend's funeral. The girl next to me felt like she was going to faint. I said, are you hot? Are you hot? And she said, no, I just, I just feel sick. And I kind of had that feeling, too, because I remember thinking that the coffins of the three younger children were white. I don't know that that was even true, but that is my memory of it. But I remember thinking, so there were three adult-sized coffins and then the three children. And I remember thinking, Dawn is in one of those adult-sized coffins. That day during the funeral, the church was packed with neighbors and loved ones. It was so heartbreaking. And again, to me, there was no sound. Every once in a while, you'd hear a sob, maybe, or but that was it. They wouldn't let us go out until everyone had filed out of the church. So when we went out, all we saw was this huge procession of the hearses now going to the St. Charles Cemetery. I mean, it really was a surreal kind of experience. And in a strange turn of events, police wouldn't let Ron DeFeo Jr. attend his family's funeral. They wanted to keep him under the watchful eye of police, they said. Rick Osuna wrote the book, the night the DeFeos died. 
Like we said in the last episode, Rick is one of the preeminent experts on the murders. Interred. He never got to say goodbye. I, you know, I don't even think he's really ever got to properly grieve for his family, especially his brothers and sisters. You have to understand that he really loved his brothers and sisters very, very much. But look a little closer, and you'll see the cracks within the family begin to appear. From HLN, this is Very Scary People, The Amityville Murders. I'm your host, Donnie Wahlberg. This is Episode 2, Meet the DeFeos. Before the DeFeos became a family, Ron Sr. and Louise Brigante were just two young kids living in Brooklyn. Ron Sr. was tall, slender, and handsome. Louise was a natural beauty who wanted to pursue a career in modeling. I've been told by the family and friends that, you know, Louise at one time was even dating Mel Torme. Mel Torme, that wildly successful big band jazz singer. He composed probably one of the most famous Christmas songs to date. You know, like chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I happen to know this because New Kids on the Block did a cover of it. It's actually called The Christmas Song. She had the pick of a litter. She was a beautiful woman and young girl. Louise and her parents, the Brigantes, were tight. But much to their dismay, it wasn't Mel she chose to stay in a relationship with. Louise fell in love with a man nicknamed Big Ronnie. The Brigantes weren't crazy about him. But when you're young and in love, it all happens so fast. When Big Ronnie, Ronald DeFeo Sr., met Louise, it seemed like they had fallen in love pretty quick. And Louise's parents, the Brigantes, were not a fan of Big Ronnie. He was crude, obnoxious, a braggart. They didn't really see Louise with him. Still, Louise and Big Ronnie went ahead with their relationship. And they got married to each other in 1951. At first, Louise's parents completely cut her off, basically disowned her. But they wouldn't be out of the picture for long. Just a few months after the wedding, Michael and Angela Brigante came back into Big Ronnie and Louise's lives, just in time to welcome their first grandson, Ron Jr., to the family in September 1951. The Brigantes loved Louise very, very much, and they wanted to make sure she was provided for. So they actually bought the house in Amityville for the DeFeos. They continued to buy furniture and so forth. After Ron Jr. was born, four more children followed. Louise and Big Ronnie seemed to be a happily married couple. Big Ronnie had a soft smile and thick brown hair, and his wife Louise had high cheekbones and big auburn hair. In the life-size oil paintings that hung along the Ocean Avenue house staircase, Louise is wearing a delicate red long-sleeved dress and pearls around her neck. Friends said Louise was a loyal wife and a committed mother. She cooked a lot of Italian food and loved to take her kids to museums in New York City. In family photos, the DeFeo kids looked alike, all of them with dark hair and wide, searching brown eyes. You had Don DeFeo, Allison DeFeo, you had Mark DeFeo, and then you had John Matthew DeFeo. So it was a big family. 
1974, Dawn was 18, five years younger than her big brother Ron, a.k.a. Ronnie, or Butch. Dawn was outgoing, well-liked, and had plans to go to secretarial school after high school. Dawn looked up to Butch, and actually Butch looked up to Dawn. Butch told the children, you know, his younger brothers and sisters, that they should take after Dawn's example. She was going to school, whereas Butch had not finished school. Here's Paula again. We first connected on CYO softball. We were in the softball league together. And she seemed like such a genuine person. With She always had this, you know, nice smile. She was always friendly. Even though Dawn was older and, by teenage rules, hipper, she didn't make Paula feel less cool. There were other girls who, if because they were older than you by a year, they didn't really want to associate with you. But she was never like that. We were just 13, 14-year-olds having slumber parties and pool parties. I mean, there was nothing out of the norm. Younger kids in the neighborhood knew Allison, Mark, and John Matthew DeFeo from grade school. Allison was 13, barely a teenager when she was killed. So Allison DeFeo was, if you had to say it, Butch DeFeo's favorite sibling. She was very petite, very neat and organized, and she loved puzzles. She loved riding in Butch's boat. Then came Mark, who was 11 then, and recovering from a football injury. John Matthew was the youngest DeFeo. Butch DeFeo was very close to his brothers. He loved them. Little John, Matt, he was nine when, when he died, and he was just your typical nine-year-old boy. He loved playing with their dog, Shaggy, and... Uh, He was just a sweet kid. The family had money, but the kids didn't flaunt it. Here's journalist Laura DiDio. They did not walk around like, hey, we're we're rich kids flashing money. They had normal lives. They rode their bikes. You know, in those days, before computer, before the internet, before video games, you went and you played outside or you went over to your friends' houses and visited. They were happy. They liked their siblings. In a lot of ways, the DeFeos were your average white middle-class family living in the suburbs. They were well-adjusted. They had a lot of friends and engaged in all of the normal activities for kids their age. In other words, they were, well, pretty normal. At least, that's how Dawn's friend Paula remembers it. The pool parties were fun, and there was nothing out of the norm. You would never think that there was anything weird, anything that would happen that would disrupt this, you know, typical (laughs) suburban 1970s childhood. The two became friends playing softball together. Paula remembers what Dawn looked like as a teenager. She had a very round face, and she was just beaming all the time. And she had, I remember she had this long, really long hair that we always marveled at. It. And we used to joke with her that when we were playing softball that it was going to get in the way. And, but she would never put in a ponytail. That was sort of her crowning glory. Paula remembers being really impressed by Dawn. She was confident and not afraid to bend the rules. I think the one I smile about is... We all had recess at the same time. I was in seventh grade. She was in eighth grade. 
And the nuns were very strict about having your shirt tucked in and you had to have your skirts at a certain length. And I remember her looking and doing what we all did, which was to roll up our skirts a little bit to be in fashion and, to, you know, to be cool. I saw her do what we all did when we weren't around our parents. And I remember thinking, wow, she's crazy because the nuns are going to say something. I looked at her and she smiled at me as if to say, you know what I'm doing, right? And it was like this little moment. And I just remember that. So funny. That was who she was, you know. Like so many teenagers, Dawn wanted to get away from her parents after high school. This naturally created some strife in the family. She wanted out of the house, and she was willing to do just about anything for it. Dawn had a boyfriend named William Davidge. He was the same age as Dawn. His family had moved to Florida from Long Island, and Dawn longed to start a new life with him. Dawn was trying to get to Florida to be with him, and he said that she would have done just about anything to get out of that house, including riding with the devil all the way to Florida, if that was what it would took. In an affidavit, Davidge wrote Louise and Big Ronnie wouldn't let Dawn move away. He also said Dawn would use Butch for money and talks about a time Butch gave him cash to take Dawn to the high school prom. So what was it? Was Dawn running to Florida or away from Amityville? The more investigators looked into the DeFeos, the more details began to emerge about the family. Remember Dr. Ziv Cohen from our last episode? He's the forensic psychiatrist who studied the Amityville murder case closely. Dr. Cohen says children who are abused at home, more often than not, keep the abuse to themselves. It's very common that the families are extremely good at hiding it. In fact, nobody is better at hiding it than the kids. And the kids learn from a very young age what is okay to talk about outside the family and what is not. In his research, Dr. Cohen also found there was some tension between siblings. And the way Ron Jr. spoke about his younger siblings after the murders felt stilted and disconnected. When he talks about them, it's very superficial. There's very little sadness, if any, that I can see about their deaths. He'll say things about Mark and John like, we would always play in the car or I would take them for a drive. It's these very flat anecdotes. There's very little emotional complexity. There's no real sense for who they were as people, which is what you usually hear when someone talks about someone that they have real love for and that they're grieving for. They will share certain anecdotes that really give you a sense for who that person was in life and the quality of the relationship. Dr. Cohen says Ron Jr. had real issues with his sister Dawn. So when DeFeo talks about his siblings, I think what's most notable to me is the callousness with which he talks about them. Certainly about Dawn, he talks about her with clear hostility. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. At the center of the DeFeo family was the patriarch, Big Ronnie. Laura DiDio says he was a man with a big personality who had a reputation. In trying to describe to today's audience what Big Ronnie Sr. was like, is an Archie Bunker on steroids type character. So he was of his time. He was Italian. He was chauvinistic. He had a temper. Here's Joel Martin, one of the first reporters at the scene of the murders back in 1974. People did not like Ronnie, I'm sorry to say. I, 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 didn't, I don't want to put him down, and I don't want to criticize him despite all the terrible things they say he's done. It's not my place necessarily, but the family itself has a reputation from some of the neighbors who I've spoken to of having a lot of problems. And this is the problem. The problem is that they don't get along sometimes. Neighbors whom Joel talked to that night remember there was a lot of fighting at the Ocean Avenue house, and it got pretty loud. Ronnie and his father fight. The wife and the husband sometimes don't get along, and they argue. And so there's dissension and there's conflict within the DeFeo family. It's not the happiest place you want to be. Far from it. It was just not very good. And this is the neighborhood's reputation or thoughts about the family and the house. At those summertime pool parties, Paula Uribuero remembers hanging out with all the DeFeo kids and their mom, Louise. Big Ronnie was usually absent, but the moment he showed up, you couldn't miss it. Her father was controlling the barbecue outside and shouting orders to whomever. He was a big presence. You know, he had a big personality. There were some fathers that didn't make an impression on you. And in this case, the impression that he made was simply that, I don't want to say the term bully. You were a little afraid of him. He was a little scary because his voice was a little loud. Paula felt similar vibes from Ron Jr., but there was something a little off about him, too. And not just in a weird he's my friend's older brother type of way. And he just was this loner and was really kind of not attached to the whole social 
aspect of the family. Back to that family violence we alluded to earlier. Journalist Laura DiDio says Big Ronnie allegedly had a history of getting physical with his wife. There are stories about how Louise was coming up from the basement because in those days many people had their laundry room in the basement and she was carrying a wash basket full of clothes and he slapped her and she went down the basement stairs. So there was some of that and there was that mentality probably uh, among chauvinists that, hey, women had to know their place and keep to it. Gloria Gangitano witnessed Ron's strong personality firsthand on a couple's trip. She was friends with Louise. Well, we did go to Montreal, to Canada, with uh, Ronnie and and Louise and my husband and myself. We went for a few days, and that was quite an experience. He was a strange guy, (laughs) Mr. DeFeo. (laughs) He kind of wanted to be in control of Louise and me. We went to a church And the priest was taking us on a tour, and we were like, you know, reacting, wow, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. And he got insulted because he said, I told you all about this already, and you sound like you never heard it before. So he wanted a following that everyone should just listen to him and do what he says and agree with him. He kind of thought that, He was in charge of everything. So it was kind of an interesting weekend. (laughs) I was glad I got home. Rick Osuna had a theory about where Big Ronnie's abusive behavior came from. I think that was to compensate for him living in the shadow of his father-in-law. Without his father-in-law, he wouldn't have a job, he wouldn't have a house. His father-in-law even paid for the expensive family portraits that Big Ronnie wanted. So Big Ronnie compensated by being big and loud and, um, you know, beating his family. We'll get to know Big Ronnie's father-in-law, Michael Brigante, soon. But first, let's spend some time getting to know the only DeFeo who survived that night, Ron DeFeo Jr. I'm Ronald Butch DeFeo. According to Ron Jr., his father's abusive and controlling tendencies were on full display at home. We were all like in animals, in a, like a dog on a leash, everybody in that house. Nobody could be free. Rick Osuna refers to Ron DeFeo Jr. by his nickname, Butch. Rick's own journey with the Amityville family started in 2000 when he was a researcher working on a History Channel documentary about the murders. After the project was over, he followed his curiosity to learn more about the DeFeo family. That led him to Ron Jr. Rick would later get to know Ron Jr. pretty well. The abuse at the hands of his father started early. Rick says that Louise's brother once saw Big Ronnie push Ron Jr. into a wall when the child was just two years old. They'd all been sitting in the basement just watching TV. Sometimes Big Ronnie would be affectionate and playful. The next moment, he got physical. And things didn't get easier as Ron Jr. grew older. Rick says as the firstborn DeFeo's son, the pressure to excel was really high. By the time Ron Jr. was in his 20s, 
He was a stocky guy with a full beard and thick bushy eyebrows. But as a kid, Butch was overweight and his dad didn't let him forget it. It took a toll on Ron Jr., a.k.a. Butch. Butch DeFeo, when he was a teenager, took a lot of speed to lose weight. He wanted to get skinnier. And he got into drugs and alcohol. Here's Ron Jr. in an interview from 2014. Every day I got, I got high. I used heroin. I was using a lot of heroin back then. I was drinking to uh, excessively scotch on the rocks. It's hard to tell which came first for Ron Jr. The drugs and alcohol or the run-ins with the cops. But in his teens, he started getting into trouble with the law. He did get arrested prior to the murders for grand larceny, stealing an outboard motor. And so Butch would never look for trouble, but he would never run away from it either. At 23, Ron Jr. was in and out of trouble, but his mom, Louise, looked the other way. Rick recalls Ron Jr. was particularly close with Louise. Butch was her pride and joy. The relationship strained over the years because Butch started blaming his mother for allowing his father, her husband, to get out of control with the abuse. Louise's friend Gloria believed there was something sinister about Ron Butch DeFeo Jr. Louise used to tell me that Butchie was bad. I didn't know what she meant, but she said, no, Butchie is bad. You know, he's always troublesome. So there was sibling rivalry and physical abuse in the DeFeo household on Ocean Avenue. And Rick says there was something else. Folks in Amityville knew they were connected to the mob as well. And so investigators began to follow a new lead. Did the mob have something to do with the DeFeo murders? I knew something bad was going to happen to my mother and father. I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know who was going to do it, but I could say that I knew something was coming. That's next time on Very Scary People. Very Scary People, The Amityville Murders, is hosted by me, Donnie Wahlberg. It's a production of HLN in collaboration with Neon Hum Media and is based on an original series created by CNN executive producer Nancy Duffy. At CNN, our senior producer is Sabina Ryman. Our producer is Allison O'Brien and our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Alexander McCall leads audience strategy for our show and Jameis Andrist designed our artwork. From Neon Hum Media, Our executive producer is Jonathan Hirsch. Kate Mishkin is our producer, and our associate producers are Chloe Chobel and Navani Otero. Our editor is Stephanie Serrano. Samantha Allison is our production manager. Sam Baer and Josh Harn are our mix engineers. Theme and original music composed by Asha Ivanovich. Additional music came from Blue Dot Sessions and Epidemic Sound. Special thanks to Tara Lawrence, Michael Reyes, Courtney Coop, Tamika Balance Kalasny, Ashley Lusk, Robert Mathers, Christian DeChateau, Lisa Namaro, and John Dianora.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.